0: Welcome in to episode 35 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton and Lester Mitchell here with you tonight. Lester, it's been a while, man. We weren't, we weren't able to, to get a podcast done last week. I've been uh, super busy with some extracurricular activities I've been working on. And then, you know, Lester's got some stuff going on and, and it's just, you know, you get older, you get busier, man. And, uh, you know, I got two kids now. It's, it's really hard to find time to do this, but we decided to make time this week. How you been, man? It's been a while.
1: Been a while, man. You know, bring up all this stuff. What is all this
0: adult crap we got going on? I guess
1: we met each other when we were 18, 19, and shoot, man. It wasn't nothing to just take off and just run, do stuff on the weekend. Now I got now me and you both got to check two or three schedules and make sure this, this, and this line up. We gotta plan stuff months in advance now.
0: <laughs> but well, you've always it is been- what it okay. is. It just seems like just yesterday you were over at the house watching the Braves and then all of a sudden, I look over and you're in the recliner, all caked back, snoring. I'm like, I guess Lester stay in the night, so with, just, with my homie Petey? Yeah, I just I just went to my room and went to sleep, and then I get up in the morning. Sometimes you'd be gone, sometimes you, you know you wouldn't be, and then you know whatever, <laughs> just hanging out, doing what bros do. That's right. Um, But yeah, you know, it, it's been a while since we've been on. There's some some actually some football news going around. Uh, Regarding the University of Alabama, the the transfer portal now is is wide open. You know, you basically got free agency in college football. The NCAA has passed a one-time transfer rule where you can transfer one time, you know, free of charge, basically. And uh, there's still a rule that, you know, doesn't allow transfers within the SEC. But a lot of people think that the SEC will cancel that rule, ban that rule as well. Um, So, Jamison Williams, a receiver from Ohio State, is coming in. You got Henry Tooto, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, it's coming in from Tennessee. Man, this dude's like a top five linebacker in the country, and Alabama just gets him. I mean, just, just, just like that. And he, had, you know, he comes in and joins a linebacker group that's already star studded. You know, you got Christian Harris, who is already in line for the Buckus Award coming into his junior season. He's starting. He started day one as a true freshman. Um, Just just, let's talk about Jamison Williams, Jamison Williams first, though. You know, this is a guy who is behind Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave at Ohio State. Um, He got he made some big plays last year for Ohio State, but he sees that receiver room. He's like, you know, there's there's more experience here than there is in Alabama. So Nick Saban gets on the horn with him and says, look, man, I got a bunch of talented freshmen coming in. They're coming in thinking they're just going to, you know, walk into a starting job. I need some competition down here. You're the guy I want. And so he transfers to Alabama, and now all of a sudden he might be the number two receiver behind John Mechie. Talk about the immediate impact that Alabama gets a receiver um, after adding a guy like Jameson Williams. Look, I mean, 8A showed
1: a lot with the receivers, but despite everything shown, you kind of feel like there's something missing with that group. Saban saw that. He went on. He got his guy, bro. A freaking burner. A guy who can go up, make a play torch the defense. This guy. This guy is your one A, one B. He's he, he's your one one. He's he's your one B. This guy. He's going to be starting from day one. Day one. And I feel the same with Henry T. I mean, Nick Saban told you. He warned you. He warned you. Years, years, years ago, and all you hear Alabama got another five star. Alabama can pluck another wide receiver from Ohio State. He told you, he told you, he told you, he told you. All you people fussing, you got your rule changed, and you know who's gonna use that rule to the fullest? Nick Saban. He ain't no fool. He's gonna, be, he, he has the same advantages that everybody else does. Don't get mad. He tried to tell you guys. Yeah. I, this 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 free agency isn't good for college football. The, he he's telling you that he's telling you that. But here we are. Thank thank God for Henry T. His daddy came out and said, you know, when he decided to leave Tennessee a couple months ago, he just came to Alabama in the first place. Right. Hey, here he is. He's here now.
0: So hey, thank God for the rule. Fine with me. Yeah, this is a this is a, a rule that I, I don't agree with because. You know, everybody complains about all the studs going to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and it's just gonna get worse because I mean, now they can just tell the dudes, hey, if you don't like it, you know, you can transfer out, but come in and compete and just see, you know, see what it's about first and 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 all that jazz, and uh, and then you know, a lot of people around the country probably thought that you know, at these these rosters are so loaded that you know, other teams will be able to pick and choose from their backup, so to speak. You know, you got a five-star coming into Alabama. He doesn't play as a freshman and then you contact him, then he transfers. And, uh, but then also Nick Saban has shown you that he'll turn around and be like, you know what, I'm a little thin at receiver, not thin, I'm young at receiver. And you get a lot of guys that are unproven. Um, Javon Baker, Xavier Williams, guys that have been in there a couple of years that have flash potential but you know, of course, there's going to be a huge drop off from what Alabama's had the last two years of receiver, and so he's like, "Well, I'll go." I mean, he, he goes and takes the third the third option from a big dog. I mean, Ohio State. This isn't some guy that transferred out of you know, out of a, a smaller school, maybe a, a group of five school or whatever. That's that's shown out at, at a lower level. This is a guy that's played on the big stage. He had a, he had a deep touchdown catch against. Clemson in a college football playoff he's got playoff experience and this is a guy that you know basically Nick Saban tells him hey look you can be a number three or number four at Ohio State because they have more experience than us this year or you can come to Alabama who's putting receivers and you know first round receivers in the draft every single year and you can just be another one and you can come play with us and be a number two you know and and compete your ass off and play against the best corners in the country and all this jazz And, uh, and, and, and they listen and Henry Toto is the same way. I mean, this is a guy that he goes, he listens to Jeremy Pruitt, you know, he, he, he buys into his, his pitch that, you know, he can come here and start something great at Tennessee, all the, all that crap that Jeremy probably sold to him. And then they get caught cheating with McDonald's bags. And then they get some no name coach from UCF that sucks. And, and he's like, you know, I can do way better for myself. And, uh, you know, Henry T's probably like, I can I can get drafted first round at Tennessee, but I can go to Alabama, win a natty, play on the big stage, maybe go even higher. I, I don't know exactly what the pitch is, but it's, it's pretty obvious that Nick Saban is going to get who he wants. And you have two sides of the ball to this because Jamison Williams is a guy that Alabama needed receivers. Alabama has some very talented young receivers, but if you can get a guy with any kind of Big big game experience and big conference experience. That's what Nick Saban went and got. And then on the other side, you've got a deep linebacker room. I think Jalen Moody would have been just fine. I think he is a, he's got tremendous skills. He was a three-star coming out of high school. He's been developed. He's a junior now. And uh, I think he has tremendous potential as well. But I just – I mean, Nick Saban's like, hey, if I can go get somebody just a little bit better – I'm going to just going to go out and have a top five linebacker in the country. So now you look at Alabama's inside linebackers. I wouldn't be surprised if they have two of the top five linebackers in the country at the end of the year.
1: Good. Good. Fine with me because what was it? What year was the Duke game? A couple of years ago when what Dylan Moses went down the week for practice so he had two true professional starting linebackers. And I sat there in, in the Georgia, I, I tell you, uh, like linebackers, they're going to be a problem all year long. We're, we're not going to have that problem again this year or probably not next year. That that problem is erased. There's not going to be a drop-off in talent from your starters, whether it's you know, Moody, Henry T., you know, whoever else. You're going to be able to rotate, keep those guys fresh. There's no telling what kind of packages Nick Saban or, you know, Pete can come up with when you got three or four just stud, tight, stud linebackers who can go out, who can cover, who can run, who can go knock somebody's head off. Look, where this this spread stuff, they're gonna be shut it down. There is no getting tired. If you're tired, sub out and there's not a drop-off in talent. So I love it. Good. We need definite linebacker. I feel like linebackers have been a week spot the past couple of years. So, I'm yeah. glad to see that we both
0: up in that spot. With Dylan being hurt last year, nobody really knew the extent of his injury until he came out and said it after the season. Um, you know, he, he really played good in the Missouri game, and that's when he messed up his knee. He really wasn't right. He was a step slow, a couple of steps slow, actually, the rest of the season, but he fought through it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> regarding where these two guys came from, that's one thing that I can't get over. I mean, Ohio State – Alabama just straight up beats your ass in the national championship game, embarrasses you. And you can say what you want about COVID and Justin Fields' ribs and all this bullshit, but, dude, I'm telling you, if they were 100% healthy, they still did not stand a chance against Alabama. And they had two white linebackers, and they just no shot, no shot at all. And uh, it, it trying to cover any of Alabama's receivers – and I mean, I mean, gosh, if Devonta Smith would have stayed healthy the whole game, he might have had seven touchdowns. But um, yeah, and so you go out and you nab one of their receivers. And of course, you know, all the Ohio State message boards are saying that he wasn't going to play for Ohio State, whatever. Well, he played last year. And yeah, he didn't catch for a thousand yards, but he was still on the field and he was an option. And then the second one, Henry T, I mean, from your biggest rival, I mean, a team that you've beaten, what, like 14 years in a row or something like that, 14, 15 years in a row. And you just come in and take not just their best linebacker, they, but he, they, Nick Saban takes the best player on their roster and one of the best linebackers they've ever had at Tennessee. And he's like, yeah, you know, you just come over here and play for me. What kind of a slap in the face is that to the whole Tennessee organization? I mean, imagine if, if Auburn comes in and Brian Harson was like, you know, we'll take Mac Jones or, I mean, whoever, Bryce, Young, whoever you want to say because Alabama has so much talent, but, You know, imagine if Alabama didn't have that. And, like, you know, they just had one stud player. They're like, dude, if we can get anything to build around this guy we got. And then Auburn just comes in and takes him away. I mean, what kind of a slap in the face is this to the the Tennessee program and the Ohio State program?
1: Hey, sucks us up. (laughs) The rich get richer. Literally. The rich get richer. Bingo. Nick told you he predicted the future. He told you what was going to happen. Who who wouldn't want to come to Alabama? Who wouldn't want to come to an organization that already has his name, image, and likeness stuff figured out? They already have a, a, an entire department they just created. Who wouldn't want to come to a place that's going to graduate you, put you in the NFL, win a natty, who 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 wouldn't want to be a part of that? Dude, the I fact, mean
0: that name, image, and likeness thing. The fact that they make yeah. that rule and then like two days later, Alabama has like a whole system built for yep. that. They have it in place
1: and Already. they're
0: promoting it. And then they ask Alan Green like at a golf tournament like three weeks later what he's going to do about. it. He's like, well, we don't know. I mean, like how far behind is Auburn in in, in everything?
1: Woo. And Everything. they're just getting
0: farther behind. And it's like Nick Saban knew this was going to happen. And Greg Byrne knew this was going to happen. And they're like, you know, even if it doesn't happen, we, or we just need to have a plan in place for when it happens. And, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't think it was going to happen this year, but they knew it was going to happen eventually. I'm thinking this thing has been in place for a year since they started talking about it. And because they knew it was coming, it's, it's inevitable, basically. And, and they went ahead and implemented this and have been fine-tuning it And now all of a sudden, you know, Kay Ivey passes it or whatever, and then, boom, Alabama's got a system in place for it. That's going to do tremendous things in recruiting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alabama's doing everything it can to make this process, make this transition as easy as possible, make it as clear and concise as possible. (laughs) Our neighboring state over here in Georgia is like, yeah, you can have this name, image, and but we're gonna take seventy-five percent of your money. How ass backwards is that? How are you gonna recruit? If you, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm furious at that. Why? why would the you governor? First of all, why is he he's wasting time piss. on that? Yeah, he's he's got to be, be pissed. Why is your governor wasting time trying to stifle kids from making money? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I think that guy's pissed off a lot of people in the past couple of months, and <laughs> if they lose a recruit because of that, his tail is out of there. I can guarantee you that.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of more uh, transfer portal news, I guess we'll we'll update the Auburn fans listening to this on, uh, on on what's going on with their transfer portal. They get some some good transfers from West Virginia, and then but you know the last three come from UAB. Uh, Tony Thayer a defensive tackle that runs about 700 pounds. And um, by Darius Knighton from Southeast Missouri State. Lester, do you even know where that is on a map? We're guessing Southeast Missouri.
1: Buddy, when you fired up NCAA 2007, there's like 130 teams you can pick from. Southeast Missouri State ain't even one of them. Nope. Ain't even one of them. You can pick the African Zips and – Hell, Demopolis is probably on there somewhere, but Southeast Missouri State? No. I mean, look, hey, <laughs> Harson. this is this is this is this is on you now. Squarely on you. Why why isn't Auburn plucking away five stars? Why isn't Auburn plucking away four stars? Why isn't Auburn even plucking away guys who are playing D1
0: football? Why? Well, they are. They they got that one dude from Vandy. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. Prestigious program. He's a two star in high school or something like that. But I mean, right? Yeah, it's and number one, Auburn's. I I promise you, Auburn's got the worst receivers in the SEC this year. You can argue that to your blue in the face. Uh, Just wait till September, buddy. I mean, as bad as Nix has been, even if he does get developed, he's throwing to trash cans. And you got Tate Bigsby, who's a top five running back in America, and you got an offensive line that's, you know, they're okay. They're average run blockers. They're not tremendous. They can't pass block or shit. And so Auburn's offense is struggling, especially up front at the tackle position and at receiver. And they keep going in the transfer portal and getting defensive backs. They've gotten like four defensive back transfers, you know, you know since harson has been there. And and now a defensive lineman is just, that's really, if you're going to say Auburn has a strength, that is probably running back and secondary. And so I don't really understand why he's getting these no-name players from Southeast Missouri State and Vanderbilt to come over and and play for his defense that already has some pretty good players in place.
1: Well, the pretty good players that were in
0: place are – kind of leaking out they're kind of they kind of transferring another program yeah, he, he's I, I mean, think like three four stars or maybe just two four stars that have transferred out of the program Jay Hardy and Jaron Handy and uh you know Kamal Hayden hadden or whatever how, however you say his name is transferred out he was in this year's signing class and uh so he gets on campus and then he goes to a couple of workouts and he's like nah I'm good I'm gonna go somewhere else and uh you know oh Chris Thompson Jr. I mean this guy goes to UA you, you know what I'm saying
1: not good. It's going to be a long season for the Auburn Tigers, a long season. And I encourage everybody to go look up the SEC Shorts. Those guys are hilarious. They did a funny video regarding the Auburn yes, Tigers. It was, it was pretty good. It was hilarious.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll stop picking on Auburn. You know, hey, props to them. They had been. Hey, Bruce is Bruce Pearl's been doing a great job in the transfer portal. He's gotten he's gotten plenty of guys. He just got uh, Katie Johnson, to transfer from Georgia. Um, he was Georgia's second leading scorer, but I think they were like a 500 team or whatever. So I, I don't know how many great players they had. Uh, he, he didn't even start, but he was still their second leading scorer. So he, as a freshman, so he, he's a pretty good player. I think, you know, their basketball roster is looking pretty good, but um, you know, so I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on Josh Primo real quick. There's a lot of buzz about him staying in the NBA drafts and, and, you know, going to end up signing with an agent, Tell me the impact you think this has on Nate Oates's, on Nate roster, um, because you know it, it was full, and now you know with Josh Primo staying in the draft. Tell me, tell me how you think this impacts the team at his position and, and losing a player like Primo at the college level.
1: So, right, so two things.
0: I think they were,
1: and I think they were leaning on that they believed that Primo would stay um i i had no indication of anything that i saw that you know oh yeah that's a surefire first round draft pick from his performance last year but if he leaves it's not the end of the world who wouldn't want to play in nate oates's offense who wouldn't want to come to this up-and-coming college basketball powerhouse i have no doubt in my mind that oates um hogson Petway, they can go out. They can find them a stud. I promise you that. So if if Primo leaves, I mean, the game is the game. Uh, I would hate to see him go. I, I don't I don't I don't I personally don't want him to go. I, I like the kid. I think he's shown flashes. Um, I think he, he went away for a little bit last year that he got hurt. He he didn't live up to his full potential. We didn't see his full potential. Maybe that one game. I think it was against Auburn or whatever he went off, but. I, I want the kid back, but if he doesn't come back, so
0: be it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure you want him back as, as a uh, as a fan. But um, I guess this just goes to show that it really doesn't matter um what you do in the season. Because, I mean, his numbers were not eye-popping. He didn't get a, lot, a ton of minutes. He got hurt. He missed a, a lot of games in SEC play. And uh, I think he played well once he came back. But, you know, he starts getting to these workouts, these NBA workouts, and then they just, they fall in love with him. And uh, they see all the, all the untapped potential that he has. And they're like, you know, don't go waste another year in college. We want you now. And, you know, let me just ask you this, Lester. He's projected late 20s um, in the draft. I've seen around 25, uh, maybe 24 is probably the highest that I've seen, but um do you think that if he came back with all the talent that Alabama has coming in, you know, Chico's getting healthy, got Bediaco, J.D. Davidson, all these guys coming in, Namari Burnett transferring in, do you think that it might be a good – kind of like we were talking about with Quinterly, do you think it might be the best time for him to go pro? Do you think that if he came back, that even if he played a full season healthy, that he would up his draft stop? Because it's obvious that the NBA doesn't even watch college film. Because, I mean, yes – he did show flashes, but once again, we'll refer to this. How many times after we did podcasts after the the two games of the week that we asked, "Where the hell is Josh Primo?" We asked that a lot whenever he was playing. This wasn't when he was hurt. You know, he he was non-existent at times. And granted, Alabama had a lot of depth last year, and so they were able to play a lot of guards. But do you think come if he if he was to come back, could he up his draft stock? Any? Do you think it's at his highest point right now?
1: I hundred percent think he can up his draft stock. If you if well if if you are as good as they think you are, you will shine above the rest. Right? If you if you're because all the guys that you named, every single one of those guys are not NBA players. So if you Josh Primo are the NBA player, you would surely shine. Right? you would surely still continue to show that you are a NBA prospect around all those guys, right? Because, you know, if you're around a bunch of studs, that takes pressure off of you. Y- you shine, right? Because they're so worried about your other teammates. You can go out and you can dominate. You get that one-on-one guy. You get that mismatch. You You can dream that 3 and that guy face You can dribble. You can do your thing. You know what I'm saying? So, if, you, if you're this NBA prospect and, and you're so great, you would still shine the rise above the competition, right? That, I mean, that, that's yeah. what, that's what I'm thinking.
0: How much do you think the knee I mean, injury I, is playing into this? Yes. That scared
1: him. Yes. Yeah. I, I that was going to be my next point. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I think that scared him, probably. You're
0: right. You know, yeah. I, 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 I don't know the background,
1: that. but, you know, yeah.
0: Because, yeah. I mean, it's hard to convince a guy to come back because even if Nate Oates is trying to get him back, like, hey, look, man you're projected 25 right now you come back put together a full season you can be you know top 15 or whatever maybe even sneak into the lottery who knows um but then you know you might have other guys telling you know whether it's parents or buddies entourage whatever it is It's like hey man you know you go back and you get hurt again then you fall out of the first round then you're out of the guaranteed money and and so it might be it might be a factor in his decision
1: Yeah, we'd love to send him back, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's it would be purely a speculative pick. What I what I don't want to happen is what we see year and year and year in the draft, whether it's NBA or baseball or NFL. Oh, this guy, he's so good. He's going to be, you know, number two, three, four, five, top ten. That surefire top ten pick, you know, get Mel Kuyper or Steve May talking about you, and they say, you know, it's in the first round or it's pick 20, 25, and you're looking around, your agent's looking around, now you're uncomfortable. Got all the cameras in your face and everybody's wondering, why are you dropping? Like, I don't want that for that kid, you know what I'm saying? And he's already, you know, it's not like he's projected top 10, five, top five pick. He's in the mid-20s. I'd hate to see that kid drop out in the first round, maybe drop to the, you know, second round. And you damn sure you're leaving money on the table then.
0: So I mean, it's it's his decision to make. So yeah, it's a lot riskier. Yeah, if you're projected that twenty five range, I mean, that's borderline first round. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're projected number ten and you go seventeen, that's still okay. You know, I mean, of course you lose money, but yeah, if you're projected twenty five by these guys and then you go mid second round, you know, you could be screwed, man. Um, you know, or you know, it's it's a lot easier. It's a much higher risk of you falling out of the first round when you're projected that low in the first round. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. I mean, what did Primo do to prove that he's a first round draft pick? Well, that's like, what I'm saying.
0: That, that's why I, I didn't. Like, I don't get it. even watch college tape. I mean, maybe they watched a highlight film, and he had some great highlights. He sure did. Well, right. I mean, you know, this guy gets in these in these workouts, and if he's showing out, then they just see what he can do now, and, and they're probably not even worried about what he did in college. That's fair. Yeah, but Lester, we're, we're being versatile here. Um, we're covering three sports, one podcast. We've covered college football, covered college basketball. Now let's move on to MLB baseball. The, uh, the Braves sitting there at, at 20 and 23, you know, four and six in their last 10, haven't Really been able to get it going. Uh, bullpen's been struggling mightily, uh, to say the least. But uh, tell me what's going on with this Brave squad?
1: Can't get right. Just can't get right. If the bats are on one night, if the bats are on one night, pitch is going to fail it all you. They they just they they yeah. can't put together a complete game. Um, injuries. Uh, Mike Soroka, that guy, um, exploratory surgery on your Achilles. I don't care what they say. If they got to cut you again, it ain't good. That guy's out this year. Uh, that was old morale. And just the general manager, the the ownership, just not spending money. This bullpen is clearly the weak spot of this team. You know, I, I've told you and, and Bill and some of our other buddies, I'm like, last year hurts more and more every single day you've got when you got that team you got a rolling you know corona circumstances whatever you got you got to go all in flags ain't forever bro rings hang forever i mean you've seen your red sox win what three titles in your lifetime and that's so rare Four, like yeah four four that's That's so rare like you, you gotta go for it man um and seeing them struggle it this year, it hurts. Now I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I watch every night. If I'm not watching, I got my AirPods in. I'm listening to the game. But they show flashes. They can get there. I, I feel like help. some the way, Shane Green's coming back. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, Chris Martin's been hurt. He's back now. Um, you know. You know
0: we're quietly.
1: Rotations quietly, is whatever.
0: Yeah, we're quietly two months from the deadline, roughly. So, do you think the Braves can can maybe trade a piece down the farm and and, and get a a high end reliever at, at the deadline?
1: Well, I mean,
0: I don't think one reliever helps his team all that much. Well, one I mean, you, guy you can't hit every guys, night. It takes guys that. You know, as far as the postseason goes, I know every pitch is stressful, but I mean, when you got a guy that's an eighth inning guy that goes to a seventh inning guy, he tends to relax a little bit and you know, just trust his stuff more and maybe not put so much pressure on himself. I mean, maybe you know, you get a dominant, a dominant ninth inning guy, then all of a sudden your closers throwing the eighth, and then you know, you got guys that loosen up a little bit. Sometimes it can help.
1: Well, but well, before we get to a uh, uh, reliever, I want another starter. That's what I want. I don't. I mean, the bullpen is what it is at this point. I want them to trade for a starting pitcher. I need a guy you can trust every fifth day, and that they're not going to do it. I know for fact they're not going to
0: do it. Um,
1: because this team's always playing for the freaking future, well, you know, it costs whatever. A lot
0: more also to get, the yeah, they work so hard on the yeah. farm to get that right, and right, you know, it's going to cost a lot more to get a starter than it is a reliever. That's why, that's why I said that first. But you know, Max has been, you know, on and off the IL. Uh Soroka, hopefully, he can get his stuff figured out. I'm not worried about Morton. Um, And then you got to think, you get in the playoffs if you've got three. Solid starters, they can get you four or five innings. You know, in the playoffs, that's a lot nowadays. A lot of teams are going to their bullpen, fifth and sixth innings. You don't see a lot of seven, eight inning starter start or starters. You don't see a lot of starters go seven or eight innings in the playoffs anymore. And uh, and so, yeah, I think relief help is a lot more important right now in Atlanta than starting help.
1: That's fair. That's fair, especially when you got guys like, oh. Uh, well, Kyle Ryder, Bryce Wilson, um, Tucker Davidson came up recently. He had a pretty good start. Um, he, had a, he had a decent start. He, he pitched enough to win the game, but you know they—they they got guys. They just got to perform. You know, I it for Hwaska and Noah. Guys been dealing all year. Had a bad start. Dude, what a dumbass
0: bench, and broke his wrist. Like, dumb like, ass, man, I don't have anything like, to do with that. I'm sorry. This. Like, dude, you've got 30 starts, 30 plus starts in a season. You can't be such a head case. You have one bad night. Maybe you're getting squeezed a little bit or your good stuff's getting hit. I mean, you're, you're in the major leagues. You're playing in, in the best baseball league in the world. Everybody comes yep. to the United States to play baseball. This is the highest level. I yep. mean, you're not going to go out and dominate every night. I don't care who you are, unless you're Jacob DeGrom. I mean, he, he he's a rarity. But, I mean, even the best – starters get hit and this kid's yep. what 22 23 years old
1: 22
0: and and you can't you can't let your emotions go though Because now you cost your team what probably 10 starts if he's out two months
1: two months
0: I mean you're starting once a week or something like that you're talking about eight to ten starts this kid's gonna miss for his team you screwed up the whole organization when you did that I don't have any sympathy for that shit You've got to no. be able to – when you're on the highest level, you've got to be able to keep your emotions in check.
1: Yep, because the talent was clearly there. The guy's a budding star. I mean, I you know, fastball slider, he, you know, he runs it up 97, 98. You know, he'll touch 29. You know, he'll sit mid-90s, whatever. He's got that that nasty slider, which is awesome. I, I personally love him to, to um, grab a change-up or another, you know, a third pitch that he's allegedly working on, but hell, he can't work on it now because freaking hand is broke. But you know, it's you're gonna get lit up, dude. I I get being pissed. I get being frustrated. I get it, dog, but yeah, I don't know. I, when that when I came across my phone, I stopped everything I was doing. And I just sitting at my desk, I just stared at the ceiling for like 10 minutes because I, I couldn't believe it. I'm scared to get on Twitter and have it confirmed two, three, four, five, six times. That just an insult to injury on top of the team not playing well. He was one. He was the bright spot. He was the bright spot, and now we'll see him August maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah.
0: I mean, who knows? Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that he doesn't have the wear and tear. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to look at a positive aspect, I guess you can think about it like that. But, yeah, it's just – you just absolutely cannot do that to your team when, you're, when you've are when you been pitching better than than everybody else in the rotation. That's something you just cannot do. But, um, yeah, you know, moving over to, to the American League, um, American League East, the Red Sox are – a half a game in first place right now. And probably by the time we release this, they're actually losing to the Blue Jays right now, seven to five. So the Jays are a half game back from the Sox. Um, so by the time we release this, it, they might be a half a game back. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, bl- the Blue Jays are good. And the Red Sox, you know, they, they, they come off a series against the Rangers, Tigers, and then Orioles, who are probably the three worst teams in baseball, at least three of the top five. And um, I think they went like six and six in that stretch, which is not great at all. They should have been at least nine and three in those games against those teams. I don't care if you're on the road or if you're at home, you got to beat the shitty teams. And uh, now, you know, you know, the they, they lose two out of three to the A's who were on an East coast road trip. Um that's also something that can't happen. You get a jet lag team. You can't come in here and just, and just let them take two out of three in your home ballpark. Um, You take two out of three from the angels, which is great. Um, But you know, you lose the, you lose the last game on a, on a ninth inning home run by Shohei Otani. And, uh, and now you're playing Baltimore, you know, you get thumped the first game and, uh, and, and you win the second game yesterday, they won seven to three. And, and now you're getting beat today. Um, And so, you know, the Red Sox, it seems like they, their rotation is bass backwards, like you were talking about earlier. You know, Eddie Rodriguez, who's 5-0, and then his ERA in May is like 5-5 or something. It might be pushing six after getting thumped last night. And uh, But Garrett Richards, after a minor, you know, a minor tune-up with his delivery by pitching coach Dave Bush – He's actually pitching a lot better now and him and Nick Pavetta are the two bright spots, surprisingly, in this rotation in Boston. Um, Nathan Evaldi can't seem to figure it out. He's getting hit hard. Uh, Martin Perez is going to give you, seems like a good start then followed up by a bad start. He can't really find a lot of consistency. Eddie Rodriguez has been ass in May and after starting five and zero, and um and, and and as far as the lineup goes, I just, I believe that they have guys down in AAA that are much more deserving of being on the big stage right now than some of the guys they have in the lineup. And, you know, the mo- the one I'm talking about the most, of course, is Francie Cordero. Who's, you know, he's not hitting much higher than me. I'm hitting 0.00 in the major leagues this year. He's not hitting much higher than me, I'll tell you that. And uh, he's getting plenty of opportunities to hit against righties, and he's just not coming through. He's striking out almost every at-bat. He just can't seem to find it. And, you know, Boston's got, you know, Jaron Duran, who's down in AAA, plays the same position. He's hitting a homer a night, seems like. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the the deal with the Red Sox right now. Their rotation is, you know, their their starters haven't really seemed to to get it going. Actually, you know, they started the year – they had it going but you know now they've they've kind of leveled off and actually you know declined a little bit but um as far as the lineup goes Kike Hernandez is back he's been playing pretty good ball the last two days and uh you know their top five and their lineup is you know one of the best in baseball I mean, you talking about Kike leading off in Verdugo and then JD Martinez everybody knows about the hot streak he's He's continued to be on. And then Xander Bogarts is the best shortstop in baseball. Um, that includes Fernando Tatis as of now. Uh, you know, as far as this year goes, Vanders playing better than any other shortstop in Major League Baseball. And uh, then Raffy Devers, uh, he still can't field for shit, but, you know, he's, he's getting it done at the plate. And then, you know, Christian Vasquez homered last night. So, you know, there, there, there's some – some damage being done at the top but that middle to or that that bottom of the lineup for Boston where there's Renfro Hunter Renfro um that's not the receiver from Clemson by the way that's actually uh, another player named Hunter Renfro that plays outfield for the Boston Red Sox him and and Franchi Cordero and and Bobby Dahlbeck are just really struggling Michael Chavis is struggling um he'll probably end up back in Worcester, but uh yeah, that's what's going on with the Red Sox. Let's have. Have you been able to tune in to any Red Sox games? I know I text you with updates from time to time. When I say y'all, I mean you and Bill. But have you been able to, to follow the Sox any recently? I know you got Nick Pavetta on your fantasy team.
1: Yeah, yeah, I watch. I watch a lot of the Red Sox because um, Valley Sports can't get the freaking app straight. So you know, I tune into our MLB subscription, watching JD Martinez. God bless from his helmet down in the dugout. Yeah, I've been watching Red Sox um, this afternoon. Um, I watched a lot of Red Sox because I have. Pavetta, Martinez, and Devers on my on my uh team. And uh You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you to Chase. Two
0: years ago yeah, that I was like, you know, somebody I got dropped,
1: Devers two years ago.
0: Yeah, somebody dropped Rafi and I had a solid third baseman. I can't remember who it was. And I was like, look, man, I said I know he's struggling right now, but he's gonna be a damn good third baseman. He's gonna be a really good fancy player. He's gonna strike out, but he's also gonna hit a lot of extra base hits. I said, I don't have room for him, or I pick him up. I, you might have asked you like, hey, tell me about Raffy, and I was like, yeah, he's young, but he's he's good. He, he's a good third baseman. You picked him up, and you've you've kept him ever since because we have a nine man keeper league that we play in fantasy baseball. And I know that seems like a lot, but I think we start like twenty five players or something like that. Yeah, yeah, twenty
1: five to a roster. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but. Lester, I told you before the podcast, and we're going to end with this. I told you before the podcast that I had a a baseball question for you. I didn't want to tell you what it was. I didn't want to give you time to think about it. I want you to answer me on the spot and just first in your head. Okay. Is Shohei Otani the most talented player in baseball history?
1: No. He's not. Tell me why. Because I can find hitters that are better hitters than him, and I can find pitchers that are better pitchers than him. Um, just because right. he can do both. Right. Just because he can do both a little more than, than good does not make him the best, the most talented – how do you phrase The most talented player based on history. No, 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 no. <clears throat> because Barry Bones is a better player – than Shohei Otani can ever think to be, okay. I don't. I don't care if he. And I love Otani. He he throws a hundo, right? Nasty breaking ball. The dude is. He's. Uh, he. I'm pissed at him because uh, if he keeps it up, my boy Ron, Ronald Acuna Jr. won't win the home run title this year. Uh, I mean, thinking, this dude is nothing. Ball Think about what you just feet. said.
0: Think about what you just said about Ronnie. He is right. second. He is second. And homers, Show right. Shohei is leading the majors. Yes, Not the Angels, the majors. I mean, he's got Mike Trout on his team, dude, <laughs> and and he's got Anthony Rendon on his team. Yep. Yeah, and, and he's nobody, he's afraid. Nobody, everybody is talking about Shohei Otani. Cause you got to think, look, Mike Trout's been the best player in baseball for like what, close to the a last decade, seven eight, yeah, seven eight years.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And nobody, he doesn't market himself and he's caught flack for that. And granted, he probably doesn't care, but nobody really talks about Mike Trout as far as on a national scale, right? Right. Now you get Otania, who's on the same team, plays on the West Coast, and he's everywhere. He is everywhere. You see him all over the place. His stats are yes. all over the place. Yep. And I'm telling you. I think
1: last as, night.
0: As far yep. as talent goes, this is the base, the best baseball player, the most talented baseball player to ever live. <sighs>
1: no. And, you, and
0: it's, it's just the fact that as good as Barry Bonds was, like, he faced Eric Gagne and that bat that you've seen on YouTube a hundred times, probably all 100, baseball fans. I'm talking about, and yes. Gagne is like pumping 99, and they are freaking out. Everybody yes. throws hundred nowadays. <laughs> Everybody yeah. throws a hundred. Mm-hmm. Everybody is so much better at baseball, no matter what position you play. And it's really that's that's all sports. I mean, oh, put put LeBron yeah. James. Oh yeah. In the '80s, what does he do to those guys? I mean, you know, a lot of people make the the argument about Jordan or whatever. I mean, yeah, I believe Jordan is better than LeBron as far as the era he played in, because Jordan got he had to deal with a lot more contact and a lot more crap than uh, than LeBron does. But LeBron's a specimen, and you the the game has changed in all sports. I mean, like, I mean, you take these older sports players put him in today's game and i get the argument is for their era which is great but bonds is also on steroids i mean let's be real right, right. So he, was, he was technically cheating i mean i'm not saying that barry Bonds is a bad hitter because you know even when he was on the pirates he was launching bombs even back when he was skinny but everybody throws 100 nowadays and you know for this guy to start the game and go seven innings and strike out 10 major league hitters. We just talked about this is the best. These are the best baseball players in the world, not in the United States in the world. They come from all over Dominican, Cuba, Venezuela, Japan, all over to compete in the major leagues for him to go seven innings, strike out 10 and be hitting in the two hole and hit a 430 foot Homer to dead center. He is the most talented baseball player in history. I'm not saying he's going to be the best hitter ever because he won't be. Right. And I'm not right. saying he's going to be the best pitcher ever because he will not be. And he won't be close to those. But if this dude can stay healthy, I mean, ima- dude, imagine if he finishes the season like, <laughs> like, a, like a like a 3-2-3 ERA. And then right. he, hits, he hits 38 homers. I mean, Really? Like how I, got, I got, I got, I got to go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I got a and, kind of argument for you. Yeah, go ahead. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to hear, and that's why I wanted to ask you this on the spot and talk <laughs> it over with you live is because I truly believe he is the most talented baseball player in history. Like as good as a hitter as Barry Bonds was, he wasn't stepping out on the mound, throwing 101 and throwing a 92 mile an hour splitter and making big league hitters look stupid. I mean, right. I just think that the talent level that he brings is, is, un, is just, it's never going to be matched. That is crazy what he's able to do because you got to think scouting reports, analytics is so big in baseball nowadays. How does this dude have time to, to learn about all these hitters' weaknesses that he's got to throw against? You know, in the 01 count, this guy's hitting this percentage on sliders away, or, you know, 02 count, this guy, um is hitting 140 on fastballs up and in you know there's so much stuff you have to remember and there's there's you know I guess you can play there's so much stuff you have to remember and then for him to do that as a hitter as well you know this pitcher when he gets to 0-2 he likes to throw the back foot slider or when when it's one and one he likes to go fastball in whatever it is you know your own hot cold zone is a hitter there's so much to study and to learn just as a single positional player and for him to be able to dominate. I mean, I'm like, as of now, he is dominating on the bump and in the box and it is crazy. I agree.
1: Um, he, so God blessed him with an orange through a hundred. He got the, you know, he got blessed with the the hand-eye coordination to, to at the same time, hit a hundred mile power fastball or whatever else people throw at him, but he is doing both of those because he is allowed to. In China or Korea, where he came from, he was allowed to do both. Here in America, with all specializations and stuff, yeah, you, you pick one or the other. Oh, 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 so okay. So here's one example. Um, Degrom. You said Grom or
0: stop in college, right? It's this, right? Yeah,
1: right. Or, um, Spencer, but Spencer Turmo throw no hitter the other night. Yeah, congrats. If you, a- you, if you, done. if, if right. you, if you asked him, he was, if you asked him right now in high school, Are you a better hitter or pitcher, he said hitter.
0: Listen, no, to that no sentence. question about it. Listen to that sentence,
1: say it again. What in high if school, if you ask. Yeah, I'm, but I'm saying Absolutely. when he got to college, he was he sure was a pitcher. Positive. Sure. Yes, you know because you know that's what he focused on, worked on. That's what they you know wanted him. Um, you know that's what he wanted to be. Right. Um, Austin Raleigh for the Braves, he was scouted as a pitcher. I mean, I, I not saying that those not saying that you know Spencer or Austin Riley would be or Degrom would be as good as uh, well, Degrom can freaking hit, but... Yeah, I know. Yeah,
0: the thing is, he can slap the ball the other way, but if, if DeGrom right. is hitting in the two-hole every night, does he have 14 dongs by now?
1: Oh, no. That's No. <laughs> nah, Who nah.
0: does? If, if Austin Riley is pitching, does he have a 2-9 ERA right now? I mean, yeah, Austin, he might be throwing 90, 91, 92. Is he throwing 100? That's what's so crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not the fact that he can do both, because... Like you said, absolutely. Zach Grinky, great hitter. Greg Maddox, great hitter. Tom Glavin. Mad Bum. Yeah, Matt, Madison Bumgarner can hit. There's a lot of pitchers yeah. that can hit, but you still see them at the end of the year, their average is still under 200. It might be 170, 180. And yes, you make a good point about them not being able to work on it as much. But that just shows you how great Otani is because how is he finding the time to do this? It really seems like, he might be studying all these hitters, and then he's just stepping up to the plate, just knocking the shit out of the baseball with no yeah, support. Because there's I don't, no I don't know how
1: much can... prep you got to do when you throw a hundred. <laughs> yeah, I guess everybody, everybody throws a hundred, but you yeah, know. and
0: you got to face a hundred as well. It's just so tough, yeah. you know. Because it, think about in between innings when he's actually pitching, like you've got to get with your pitching coach, you've got to talk about what's going on, he's got a translator, dude can't even speak English, I mean, there's a lot going on, and for him to be performing at this level on both ends is tremendous, and I mean, you know, I I think it's too much wear and tear on him, I don't think he's gonna last, uh, you know, as far as you know, I don't. I don't think he's going to be able to win the MVP because I don't think he'll have enough games. Because I he, and, and I hate to say that about a kid, but I mean he's been hurt. The what's he been up two years now, and he's been hurt both years.
1: Yeah, yeah. he had splinters, not splinters, blisters. blisters. Yeah, which is constant with him and other yeah. little nagging stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean he's already had a he's already missed a couple of starts this year because of a blister, but just. I wanted to ask you that question because I truly believe he is the most, he has the most talent that we've ever seen as far as a two-way – or, or is the most talent as a baseball player. And, yes, there are a lot of people that can hit as pitchers. They're just better at pitching. But the fact that he's leading the entire major league in home runs right now – and he's still hitting, what, 275? I mean, it's not like he's hitting 220, and he's just an all- Oh, average. yeah,
1: he has a very respectable average.
0: Yeah. But yeah, he's not an all-or-nothing type of guy. He's still hitting for a very solid average, and um, just the power that he has. I mean, when he was in Boston, I just mentioned that he uh, that he homered against Boston in the ninth inning. I mean, he literally took a breaking ball away and just flicked it over the monster. And Granted, it was only about a 385, 390-foot shot, but – he was reaching for it, and he, it, was a, it was on the outside part of the play. It was a backdoor breaking ball, and he just flicks it over the monster. And it's just the power that this dude has. And then he steps on the bump every five days and gives you six, seven innings, striking out seven, eight guys, giving up, you know, one, two, three runs, you know, giving you a quality start. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. I've never seen anything like it.
1: Yeah, and, well, I think – I'm sure he –
0: yeah, I think he's
1: had a home run since then, but he hit a ball that was at his eyeballs. Yes. And he hit it 440 feet. I think I saw last night where he pitched 88 pitches and he went to play right field the rest of the game or something like that. I mean – Yeah. The guy's fun. I I like him. I I really enjoy watching him uh, play. I would have loved him on my fantasy team. Uh, Wesley Holman, that is – for you, because you were not supposed to keep the guy. He's supposed to be mine. But yeah, I, I love I love the kid. I, so so are, are we going to compare to Babe Ruth now? Is that is that what you want to do? So is, is that what you,
0: is that what you're trying to get here? It's just the thing. If you want to, you can. Because for that era, yes, Babe Ruth is Shohei Otani. Right? because, but what did Babe Ruth top out of Like probably 83, 84?
1: on a good day after you yeah, had this granted, I mean, eight hot dogs. It's,
0: it's nothing like the game is now. And so you have to put them – how much – let me ask you this. Okay, how much harder is baseball now than it was in 1918 and whenever Babe Ruth was dominating on both sides like that? How much harder is the game as a whole now? When I mean, you, we haven't even talked about shifts. I mean, you got to think – they didn't shift back then. I mean, if you were a pool hitter, you you would feast – because you only had one guy in right field and not four. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, the shift is garbage. I hate yeah. the shift. They, I'll be happy the day they put a limit on it or something. But the shift is awful. It's infiltrated college baseball. It's infiltrated high school. Down the Little Leagues, like the shift is awful for the game of baseball, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so you got to think. I mean, so. it, it, it Babe Ruth was a straight pull hitter, and granted he had a lot of balls over the fence, but, you know, if they had a shift on him, what would be his average? How, how, you know, efficient would he have been? I guess you can say whatever, but really my point is how much harder is the game overall when, when you're seeing a hundred miles an hour and granted the hitters are a lot better, but man, I, I don't care. You, you still see guys just look silly every night. I mean, guys were facing 84, 85 back then. And you know they weren't working out. You know they're on the beer and hot dog diet or whatever. Uh, you know, so it it kind of evens out, I guess, if you want to say. But I just think the game is just so advanced now, and it's so harder just to get a hit. Period. Um, and the fact that he's dominating, and, and also you know back then, how many Dominican player, how many how many Dominican players did Babe Ruth play against? How many African Americans did he play against? True, true. There, there was none. I mean, you've got guys – got the best players from all over the world. What do you think Ronnie, Ronnie Acuna would do to Babe Ruth? <laughs> <laughs> Send them back down to double. shit, man. He did it out of Yankee Stadium. Opposite field just to piss him off. But, you know, that's just my point is that, yes, Babe Ruth is great for his era, but he didn't have – he didn't – Had to overcome the stuff that Otani does, you know. Whether, I yeah, I think Otani is the the most talented, the most talented baseball player in history. That's just what. That's my conclusion.
1: (laughs) I I can hear the argument. I won't agree with
0: it, but but I you you made a you made some great points. Yeah, well, I had time to study it because I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask Lester this, but I don't want to ask him beforehand to give you time to prep and I was like I just want to see what he says on the top of his head and it's something we'll you know we'll try to get Bill to listen to there I'm sure Bill will listen to this and we'll get his opinion on it as well whenever we have him on the podcast because we'll get him on in a couple of weeks or whatever to talk baseball and uh we'll we'll probably ask him to break down the argument as well because I'm sure he'll probably say DeGrom because he just he loves DeGrom
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Might want to get Bill on sooner rather than later because the Braves keep sucking and he's about to give up on them. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. uh, Bill, dude, Bill, he'll, he'll go down in the Titanic with those boys.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I'll be there. I'll be that's there. one thing that
0: y'all do that I just can't. And one thing <laughs> my dad has always told me is that, you know, I just want the Red Sox to be good so I have something to watch throughout the summer because the summer is so boring. You know, you've got minimal, minimum football news, minimum basketball news as far as Alabama goes, and so you just you you know we're 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 big Red Sox fans. Don't get me wrong, but I can't I cannot watch bad baseball. I, I can't do it, and I mean even if I watch a West Coast game, if they're throwing the ball around or pitchers walking guys, I'm like screw this, dude. You know, but especially when it comes to the Red Sox, I, I'm not gonna watch bad baseball. And but you, you, and every, you like, every night, credit. I'll do it. Y'all can go 0 162 and you're gonna watch all 162 losses. Yes, I mean, me, yeah. if the Red Sox yeah. aren't in it by July, I'm out. I'm like, uh, if they're if their T 12 games back, I'm out. I'm like, I just can't watch this, it pisses me off. And especially now that I got two chitlins, man, because it's a lot harder just to sit back and watch the games. You know, usually I have them on the outside TV. And me and AJ will be playing uh, softball or whatever and and playing with all her toys, and I'll have the volume up so I can hear it. Um, So I I still don't get to, like, just lay back and chill and watch the games. But, but yeah, if if they're not playing good baseball, I'm just not going to watch that.
1: You respect that piece. Hey,
0: I, I can respect it. I can respect it. But... All right, Lester, you got anything else, man? I'm ready to get out of here. How about you? Yeah, I think that's all for me, my guy. All righty. Episode 35, Gunpreneurs Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell. Um, I'm not going to guarantee we'll do one next week because I really don't – we're, we're going to attempt to. Uh, depends on – I'm free next week. depends on what Lester's got going on. But uh, until next time, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, we're out.